Well, good morning, everybody. It's so great to see you. I hope you're having a great morning, a great start to your morning. And again, if you're a guest, man, we're glad to have you. We hope that uh, you have a great time. Look forward to meeting you at the guest reception. All you online viewers, glad that you're tuning in with us as well. Well, do you remember, do you remember the times in your life where ignorance became awareness, and then awareness turned into kind of a, a longing or desire to see? To see something or see someone. Like, for example, uh, as, a, as a little boy, I grew up in Santa Cruz, California. And so, uh, I know, all the way up to about fourth, fifth grade, that's where I lived. And my life all about, at that time, was all about my bike and my Star Wars action figures. That's what it was all about, you know? Um, that, that was life. That was what was fun. And then one day, I just became aware of this fascinating little creature about three houses over named Carrie. And then all of a sudden, my bike, my action figures weren't as interesting. <laughs> and I found myself, you know, looking out the window, trying to see if Carrie was outside. Or if she was, I would try to conveniently go outside to accidentally have a conversation or a chat or wave, you know, because my ignorance of girls became an awareness, you know, and that awareness longed to want to wanna see her when she was out. And of course, I eventually met that right girl. And after five years of being together, I'll never forget that moment when on our wedding day, I just, I just wanted to see her. I couldn't wait to see her. And so uh, we got married outdoor in an outdoor amphitheater. And I was at the, at the, at the base of this you know, beautiful grass amphitheater. And there was this walkway and up at the top. I just remember watching Rika, my wife-to-be, crest the hill gift-wrapped, you know? And it was just she was just beautiful. It was just mind-blowing. I couldn't wait to see her, and it was so great to see her. Maybe, maybe for you, it was also the times where you just had that special friend at school or at work, and you just couldn't get to, to school to see them. You couldn't you know, wait for lunch to, to hang out with them. You couldn't wait to get to work to be with them, just because seeing them and being with them just made the day a better day. Or maybe it was that moment where you know, you've carried around a bundle for nine months, you know? And uh, this little bundle was growing in you, and, and all these questions like, you know, what are they going to look like, and how much are they going to weigh, and all this kind of fun stuff. Or maybe for those of you who uh, your family has grown through adoption like ours, it's getting that special phone call, you know, and you can come and meet the child that you're adopting, and you're just like, what are they going to look like? Just, there's all these questions, and, and all this, you know, there was a point where none of that was on the radar, and then you became aware, and then all of a sudden this longing to see kicks into your life. And it is, it is a special thing to see the people that have become dear to us and, and, and uh, those, those members of our families that are, are near and dear to us. But there's a deeper desire inside of us, something even greater than that that's inside of us. And sometimes we're not even aware of it. And really what's inside is this desire, this longing to see God, to see God. And there's times when we become aware of it, but a lot of times there's this ignorance. We don't know about God. We don't know what we think about him. Then there's this awareness that forms, and then awareness does, turns into this desire to see. And I don't know where you've been on your spiritual journey, and I don't know where you're at on your spiritual journey you know, at this moment, but at some point we have to acknowledge there's this inner desire to see God. And when we, when we see God, when we get to see God in our lives, everything changes. Everything's different. Life is different. Our understanding of love, of goodness, of hope, of joy, of power, of, of just everything becomes different because when you see God, it changes you and it transforms you. 
I mean, think about some of the, the people in the Bible that we've heard about. I mean, you've got guys like Moses, that when he saw God, it made him a great leader of God's people. You've got Joshua, when he saw God, it made him a courageous warrior. Isaiah saw God, it made him a mighty prophet. Paul saw God, and it transformed him into an incredible missionary. John saw God, and he became the instrument of God's revelation that we still read today. All these people saw God and were transformed, restored through their sight of God. And when you and I see God, it transforms us. It changes us. We're never the same. For those of you who are currently in a relationship with Christ, how has seeing God changed your life? How do you live different? How do you think different? How do you process difficulty differently? How do you, how do you process joy and, and good things differently because you've seen God in your life? For those of you here, who are here or watching that maybe you're, you don't know God yet, what, what transformation can you envision him making in your life? What do you think he would take and change in you and how he would use you? Well, Jesus taught us that we can actually see God. And we're going to look at that here in a minute. But he also said there's a prerequisite to seeing God. And so let's look at that together. So I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And we've been going through this series, this series called B, and we're looking at the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes uh, really are this introduction to the very first sermon that Jesus Christ ever gave in public on a mountainside, hence the name Sermon on the Mount, right? And so uh, he, he lays out these characteristics, these qualities of people who are citizens of heaven, people who are going to be Christ followers, and they're called the Beatitudes. And in Matthew chapter 5, we find them. And what I'm going to do is, if you've been coming for a while, I'm going to invite you to do something we did last week, which is I'm going to invite you to try to say verses 3 through 8 with me from memory to look at the Beatitudes that we've looked at in the past several weeks and try to do them from memory. My challenge to you is that when we're done with this series, you can quote the Beatitudes from memory. And, and just throw that in the mix of your life. Hey, you know, throw that in because I think it does good for us to process and interface with God when we memorize Scripture. It's part of that transformation. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 3, and we'll throw in the verse for today, 8. And no cheating if you've been here. If you haven't been here, Cheat all you want. You can look at the screens. You can look at your Bible. Uh, no harm, no foul. So, all right. The rest of us, try not to look at something. Here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And today's, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Would you pray with me? God, as we've gathered here today, it is our desire to see you. And to see you in such a way that we've never seen you before. So God, we ask that you bring that purity of heart. God, we ask that we can see you and understand you differently because of the time we spent here today. We love you, we worship you, we ask this of you in Jesus' name. We all said, amen. amen. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is a challenging verse. This is actually a tricky beatitude to understand at just first glance. So what I would like to do, what I'm going to attempt to do, is break it down with you together. And I'm going to do it by basically 
saying, let's tackle two questions, and then I'm going to throw a bunch of verses into the mix, just warn you now. A lot of those verses you'll find in your notes uh, in the bottom, so you don't have to try to scribble them all down at once, uh, but we'll try to throw some verses in to help bring more uh, of a full understanding to this beatitude. The first question I want to tackle is this. What does it mean to be pure in heart? What's it mean to be pure in heart? Well, we know we're not talking about the heart in the sense of our organ that pumps blood, right? Now, we also need to go beyond understanding the heart as merely the epicenter of our emotions, merely just what we feel. The biblical understanding of the word heart involves the mind and, you know, your feelings, your heart, and also your will. And so when we say heart from this point forward, what we're talking about, it's what we feel, it's what we think, and it's what we want. So, so who you are in your heart is who you are at the core of your being. And Jesus is saying, if you are pure in the core of your being, you're a pure in heart, you're going to see God. Now, if you've studied the Bible for any length of time, you're already having a theological wrestling match inside of you. Because when you study the Word of God, you start to realize our hearts aren't really in that great a shape. When, when the fall of man took place, we became corrupt as a being, we became contaminated as a being, and our hearts, uh, man, they, they, they took on sin. And so our, the condition of our heart is not good. We think of things that have been said, like Jeremiah the prophet in chapter 17, verse 9 of Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Well, that's encouraging. <laughs> you know? Look what Jesus says in Matthew 15, verses 18 and 19. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Well, if that's the case, if our heart is kind of in a bad uh, condition, then how can one actually become pure in heart when because of the sin and fall of man, our hearts aren't so pure? Well, that's the beauty of what God does because the journey to a pure heart has to begin with admitting that we have an impure heart. So that's the beginning of trying to get a pure heart is realizing how impure it is. This is what I love about the Beatitudes. Like we don't look at the Beatitudes as this list of detached, unrelated behaviors. Really, it's a progression. They're woven together. They build on top of each other. So in order to be pure at heart, we've got to go all the way back to being poor in spirit. Like once we realize that we're spiritually bankrupt and we're poor in spirit, we start to mourn our sin and our life. We start to be grieved by the sinful thoughts and actions that come from us. We start to be grieved by the lack of doing things that please God. And we're grieved by the things that we do that displease God. And then what happens is we come to God meekly and we say, God, I need you because I'm a mess. And then all of a sudden we start to hunger and thirst for the righteousness that only God can bring. And as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we start to find ourselves being more merciful because we realize that God's given us his mercy like we talked about last week. And then as we do that, you have to start all the way backwards. You have to go by saying, I'm not pure at heart. This is how we see them working together. And then we start to echo things like King David. King David said in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. And so in our quest for God to create us a clean heart, here's what happens. It takes us down this journey that will lead to Jesus Christ. Because if we desire to see God, if we desire to experience God, if we desire to be pure in heart, it's only going to be found through how God has revealed himself 
and how God has made it available for us to be even purified, and that's through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins, for our impurity. Jesus took the impurity of our heart and nailed it to the cross with him. And his death and resurrection is what allows him to become a purifying agent to our impure hearts. And so the only way to get a pure heart is to go through the door of Christ. Otherwise, we're stuck in an impure um, state. Only through Christ can we be made pure. Only uh, are we going to be purified by a faith, a trust, a belief in Jesus. In Acts 15.9, it says, He made no distinction between us. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles at that moment. It says, And then, having cleansed their hearts by what? Faith. It's our faith in Christ, not faith in the goodness of man, not faith in, oh, all things will be good, or it's not faith that the cosmic forces of the universe will line up and give us a good day. It's faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. We've been cleansed by faith in Christ. That's where the purifying begins. We can't purify our own heart. We can't make ourselves holy. I love what God reminds us in Proverbs 29. It says, who can say, I have made my heart pure. I am clean from my sin. Like, good luck with that. Hey, we can, we can take a shower and clean our bodies. We can't clean our hearts. We can't purify our hearts. In order to have a pure heart, we have to have a purged heart. And the only one who can purge our heart of its sinfulness is Jesus Christ and our faith in him. So that's where this will take us. So the good news is that we've got a God who loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross, raised from the grave, so that we can experience this purity of heart. But that doesn't mean that we don't have responsibility, right? Because we know that every day that we wake up, the battle begins. Every day we wake up and there's a battle. Our heart battles to do what we want or what God wants. To, to run to temptation or to run from temptation, Right? And so God says, I've, I've done this for you. I've made it available, but you're not off the hook. You're going to have to exert some energy. It's not about your good works, but yet I desire you to pursue me and the things that please me. For example, in Hebrews 12, 14, it says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will what? See the Lord. So there, there, is, a, there is a desire in us that we have to pursue holiness in order to see the Lord. You know, James tells us in chapter 4, verse 8 of James, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So what he's saying is, you still have to seek purity. You still have to, to, to seek God's face. You still have to come after Christ. You have to pursue Christ for this purity. You can't just sit there in your spiritual easy chair and expect it to come to you. You've, you've actually got to get out there and use what I've provided you have to actually engage me and, and fight for purity because that contaminated state wants to come in. So I think that gives us a better understanding of what, what it means to be pure in heart, but what does it look like? Like if you and I are actually gaining ground on being pure in heart, what does that actually look like? I think a verse that captures it really well, that ties this beatitude with, with what it looks like to be in, uh, pure in heart is found in Titus chapter 2. I invite you to open your Bibles to Titus chapter 2 with me. So flip over to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. And as we get to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, I think we got this, this great snapshot, this great illustration that gives us a, 
you know, demonstration of what it means to be one who is pure in heart, who's going to see God. In, in verse 11 of Titus 2, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Praise God. <laughs> Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, that is true. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us. So there's training, right? There's exerting effort. Two, here we go. Here's these descriptions, I think, that describe someone pure in heart. Renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. To live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to, what's the word? Purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. If you and I are going to be pure in heart, we're going to start to uh, renounce the ungodliness and worldly passions that try to creep into our lives. We're going to try to strive to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age, which is this kind of interesting circle because we can't do that without Christ. Yet when we have Christ, we get to do that better. It just kind of goes on around and around, around, but it has to start with our faith in Christ, our relationship with Christ. So a pure heart aims at trying to please God. A pure heart hungers for holiness. A pure heart craves honesty, a pure heart values integrity, a pure heart desires to be more like Jesus, less like the world, a pure heart will despise pride and seek humility, a pure heart will develop an appetite for God's word and prayer, a pure heart will run from temptation, not to temptation, a pure heart has this internal countdown clock eagerly waiting for the return of Christ, we know that Jesus is coming back and we're waiting for him to return, but we're not hiding fetal, all scared of everybody in the world. Instead, we're zealous for good works. We're out there trying to do things for God, love people, serve people, make a difference, hoping God gets all the credit, that God gets all the glory. This is what being a pure and heart person looks like. And so we go after it. And it, and it doesn't mean that we're sinless, right? A pure in heart doesn't mean sinless. It just means in Christ, we can sin less. If you're sitting here and you're in relationship with Christ, you are sinning less than you would have if you didn't have Christ in your life, right? There are certain temptations that you have avoided, you've ran from. There are certain things you're doing with your, your, the very breath you breathe, the words you speak, the actions you have, the money you're getting, everything is different. You're transformed when you see God. You're transformed when you're pure in heart. And so I think this gives us a good thumbnail about this is what it means to be pure at heart. Well, what's the second question? The second question is this. How is it even possible to see God? Some of you are sitting here going, okay, I got a question. You're talking about seeing God. Haven't had that moment where I woke up in the middle of the night and he's over my bed going, hey, how you doing? You want to go have a cup of coffee? You know, I, I, haven't, I haven't had this like eyeball on God moment. So what are you talking about seeing God? I think we can understand this in a twofold way. The first is this. Uh, we see God now here on earth with eyes of faith. We see Jesus now with our eyes of faith. There was one time that we were ignorant. Maybe it wasn't about your bike and your Star Wars figure, but you were about whatever, you know? And you were ignorant of God. And then there was this awareness. You started asking deeper questions. You had some sort of experience. Something happened in your life. You probably had someone praying for you for years. And all of a sudden, you started thinking about God. And that awareness led to this desire to see him. Well, how do you see him? You see him through the eyes of faith. When you just trust that he's there, you know that he's there even though you can't physically see him. Now, 
uh, we see God as we study his word, as he illuminates truth in our spirits and guides us through the teaching of his word. We see God through his works. I mean, really, I mean, you see God when you, when you sit and look at a sunrise or a sunset. You see God when you're holding a newborn child. You see God when you look at a microscope or a telescope. You see God when you're cultivating your soul in the mountains or by the beach. Like, God's fingerprints are everywhere. The Bible talks about him glorifying himself through his creation. His creation isn't him. He made it. And so, therefore, it points a big arrow to him. And so we see God in his word, we see God in his works, and it gets our attention. But the reason so many of us are not seeing God is because sin and impurity and distractedness have crept in. Another way to understand uh, an impure heart is to have a divided heart. It doesn't have a single interest, it has multiple interests, or at least two. Our two primary interests in our heart could be God and self. And so to have a pure heart means to try to be focused on, 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 on the Lord instead of all the other distractions. I mean, think about how silly it would be to, to just be marveling over a picture of a beautiful ocean when the actual ocean's behind you and you can go swim in it, right? That's what we do. We, we get all wrapped up. Oh, look at, look at, look at my job. Look at my car. Look at my house. Oh, look at, look at, oh, LeBron James is back. Oh, look at the Browns are first place. AFC North. Oh, look at, we, we get all these things that aren't bad. They're not bad things. A picture's not a bad thing. But we get so infatuated with something that can only deliver so much and will never last for the long haul. When right behind us the whole time is like the actual thing that we can jump in and swim in. And so when, when we start to want to see God, we go, wait, why am I playing with this little trinket? When, when I can say, God, I want to seek your face. God, I want to come to you. God, show me yourself. And we start to swim in what God's provided. But the problem is sometimes what we're distracted by has an impure nature. I mean, imagine going back to that marriage analogy that, that is at this wedding, this bride who's just all tricked out She's getting ready to come down the aisle, and she's walking down the aisle, and everybody's standing up, and everybody's in amazement. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. You look at the groom. He's on his phone. He's checking his Facebook feed. You're going, what are you? Are you a fool? Like, she's not going to do this again, you know? And, and you're distracted by something else. Take it a step further. What if what he's looking at is pornography while his bride's walking down the aisle? Like, that would be, that'd be twisted. But that's exactly what you and I do, right? God's made himself available. He's beautiful. He's majestic. He's opened up all these opportunities to experience him and see him. And we're just, we're just distracted. And we're doing some things we probably shouldn't be doing as well. He's going, seek my faith. Look upon me. Seek purity of heart and I'll blow your mind. I'll transform you. I'll transform the way you experience life. It won't be easy. It won't be without problems. But it'll be different. Amen for those of you who are believers. It'll be different. So we get to see God now with our eyes of faith as we trust God, as we see him work in and around us all the time. The second way we're going to see God is we're going to see him in the future in all his unveiled glory in heaven. Some theologians call this the beatific vision, that one day we're actually going to literally see God. We get to see him now through the eyes of faith. We're going to see him then face to face. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, it says this. For now we see in a mirror dimly. You guys ever try to look in a mirror in a dark room? Try to check yourself out in reflection in a piece of you know, glass that's a little bit skewed? You can't see 
can't see an accurate image. This is how we're seeing God. It's not, it's not uh, crystal clear. For now we see a mirror dimly, but then, what's it say? Face to face. We get to see God face to face. In Revelation 22, 4, same thing. They will see his face. They will see his face and his name will be upon their foreheads. We see in 1 John chapter two, uh, 3, verses 2 through 3, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be had not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, when Jesus comes back, when, when all that end time stuff is set in motion and, and the Lord comes back, when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall what? See him as he is. Check out the rest of the verse. It's very interesting. And everyone who has this hope in him, what? Purifies himself as he's pure. That purity of heart, it comes in that hope in Christ. It comes in that faith in Christ. And one day we're going to see him face to face. We've got thousands and thousands and thousands of days that we get to see him through the eyes of faith. But each one of those days builds in us a longing an appetite, a desire to see him unveiled in all his glory. Like when I say that, I know right now there's some of you here that you're going, I don't know if I want that day. I'm scared. It just shows that you haven't fully understood God's love for you yet. You haven't fully understood the way he's removed all the obstacles and made a path for you to come to him without feeling shame, without feeling guilt through the death of Jesus on the cross. But for many of us here, the thought of seeing God face to face in his unveiled glory, we're like, can't get there fast enough to see my father. Instead of that like man behind the curtain thing, it's like, no, he's, there he is. This is gonna be a literal face to face experience, homecoming, with the Lord. We're going to see him. You know, the, the, the take-home thought I want you to have is this. Those who seek God, see God. Now, we know the scripture teaches that on our own, we don't seek God. By God's grace, he's put in us a desire, an ability, the access to seek him. It's a gift of God. Even the fact that we can seek him is a gift from him. But if we seek God, we'll see God. How are you seeking God right now? Are you distracted? You, you just fill in with something else, some little trinket, and you're, you're satisfied with these little things? Are you getting experience swimming in the ocean a little bit? Are you getting ready to watch and look and just take in what God brings to you? Blessed, happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, we get to celebrate uh, one of our favorite weekends uh, throughout the year. Uh, today is a baptism weekend. We've got 10 people coming forward this, this uh, weekend through the different services saying, there was an ignorance in me. I was made aware. I've invited Christ into my life. And through the eyes of faith, I started to see God. And here how he's, here's how he's changed me. Here's how he's changed me. One of those people is a young gal named Erin. I just, I want to read her story because you're not going to be here. She's getting baptized next, next uh, service. I want you to listen to that narrative of ignorance to sight to seeing God and the transformation. Just listen for it. But here's what she shares. She shares, I've been seeking for a long time, seeking love, acceptance, a place to belong, a feeling to fill a deep hole in my heart. Growing up in my family, I was the puzzle piece that didn't quite fit. 
No matter how hard you tried to jam that puzzle piece in, it wouldn't go with the others. Out of place, not sure where it belongs. I knew abuse, fear, and manipulation. I was alone and afraid and entered the darkest period of my life. Sometimes in order to find something, we have to be very, very lost. And I was about as lost as you can be. Jesus had taken me through the darkness for me to see the light. I had a friend who kept encouraging me to come to church and life be with her. I resisted at first. I didn't want to be reminded of how much I had sinned, how tarnished and ugly my soul was. My friend never gave up on me, and eventually she wore me down, and I went. Keep inviting that person to church. Keep inviting that person to life group. <laughs> the first time I went, it was a little peculiar, all the singing. I didn't understand where these people got such a deep-rooted faith, but I came again and again and again, and at some point, I got hooked. I wanted what these people had, to feel the way they did, to understand Jesus' love for me. I don't remember the words from the sermon when I became a believer, but I remember the feeling. Every burden I had been carrying was lifted off my shoulders. Jesus loved me enough to die for me. His blood has washed my shame-filled soul clean. I am loved, cherished, accepted. I have a place to belong and a father that truly loves me. I understand that I am the daughter of the one true king. Faith is such an intangible thing. But when I accepted Jesus into my heart, somehow it was made tangible to me. What a powerful love he has for us. I believe that my circumstances led me to a place of believing. I needed the darkness to find the light, and now I want to shine his light so blindingly bright that all the world can see it. I am no longer the puzzle piece that doesn't fit. I was simply looking at the wrong puzzle. True love lies in the hope and comfort of knowing Jesus. Aaron saw God. Yeah. Praise God. Aaron saw God because she became poor in spirit and recognized her spiritual bankruptcy. It created a mourning of her sin. It developed a meekness in how she came to God, a hunger and thirst for righteousness. It developed all this in her, she's able to see God. How have you seen God? How are you seeing God now? What's blocking your view? You know when we go to a sporting event or a concert, maybe for your kids or maybe pay good ticket money for it, and someone stands up in the way and blocks your way, and you're so irritated by that? Oh, don't act all pious. I know you've been there. I've been there. <laughs> Get out of the way. Sit down. That's how we need to feel about our sin that blocks our view from God. That's how we need to feel about the distractions that block our view from God. We've got to fight for that purity of heart. Receive what God has given us in purity of heart through Christ. So we're going to get a chance here in a minute to listen to how some other people have seen God in their life and rejoice with them. And then afterwards, I'm just going to come back up and I'm going to close this in prayer um, before we leave. But let's pray for now too as well. God, Heavenly Father, thousands and thousands of days we spend on earth. God, hopefully we all get a chance to see you with eyes of faith. Lord, I know some in this room maybe have not seen you with eyes of faith. I know some watching have not seen you with eyes of faith. God, would you open our eyes? God, would you put on us a desire to be pure in heart? To understand that to have a pure heart, we have to have a purged heart. And the only way the heart's going to get purged is through faith in Christ. So Lord, help us see now with the eyes of faith. And Lord, one day, we're going to be in your presence, in your courts, face to face with you in all your unveiled glory. And God, we long for that day. So Lord, right now, as we, as we come to this point, Lord, we reflect. God, we, we're going to confess our sin before you right now. We're going to say, make our hearts pure. Create me a clean heart. 
And God, we're going to say we want to seek your face. God, we just want to be with you right now as we prepare our hearts and prepare to celebrate with these others. In Jesus' name, we all said. And here at CVC, we're about inviting people to new life in Christ. I have a suspicion I'm not the only new life story junkie in the room. We love to hear stories of new life in Christ and those stories there, and Aaron's story and many, many others like that. For most of you in this room, you've got a story of new life. You've seen God. You've seen him with your eyes of faith. He's made a difference in his life. He's transformed you. Now you just fight the fight daily until you get to see him face to face. Whatever's holding you back, whatever's clouding your vision lately, just give it to God. You've seen him be faithful before. Just fight for that crystal clear vision of your heavenly father, of your savior, and walk in him. There's probably some people here today, you don't have a story of new life yet. You haven't seen God yet, but maybe you've seen a glimpse today. And he's calling out to you. He's saying, you're not going to see me until you're pure in heart. You're not going to be pure in heart until you experience my mercy. You won't experience my mercy until you start to hunger and thirst for righteousness that I can provide. Until you come to me meekly. Until you mourn your sin. Until you acknowledge your spiritual bankruptcy on your own. Maybe today is the day that you will give your life to Christ. You came here thinking you were just going to do church and God just met you here and said, I love you. And I have something for you that you didn't even see, but now I want to show it to you. My heart, uh, the hearts of those of us here in this room would just encourage you, take that step of faith in Christ today. Get a purity of heart by getting your heart purged by the love of Jesus through his death and resurrection. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you again. God, thanks for the testimony of Aaron. Thanks for the testimony of these three people we heard of new life in Christ. That there was once a blindness, but now they can see more clearly, God, and they can see you in their life. God, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. Thank you for all the lives here in this room, watching online, who can relate to that. And God, we would just say, help us continue to grow in you and grow to be like you. And God, for those in this room today, those maybe watching today that don't have that relationship, and if that's you today, we just encourage you to take that step. You can just tell God you want to take that step. You can say, God, I'm blind. (laughs) I've been blind. My heart's impure. I don't know you. And the thought of facing you face to face kind of scares me. But today I've heard about your love. I've heard about your forgiveness. About the ability to have my heart made pure through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so I come today and I ask you, make me pure. I seek your face. Come into my life, I believe. Lord, we give you our lives and we do seek your face. And we believe. In Jesus' name, we all said, hey, before you leave today, a couple things. Um, there's a prayer cove over there. On your way out, if you just have a prayer need, this is something really heavy on your heart, just stop by there and have some folks pray for you. If you've made a decision for Christ today, you can write that down on your response card. You can email us if you're watching online, connect to CVC online. You can take that card in person to the prayer cove, to our information center, put it in the basket, whatever you want to do. But uh, we're so grateful that God's led us all to make some sort of decision today so that we came here and can leave different. So may God bless you guys. We're going to worship one more time as we receive our offering and uh, celebrate the change that comes when we get to see God. Amen.